Hallelujah. Did you bring your Bibles today? All right, let's dive into this. We'll move on to something positive after that. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's make our declaration. Let's say it this morning. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. And I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this word sown into my heart. Father, I thank you today for your amazing grace in our life. I thank you for your word that always changes us and transforms us and brings us closer to you and allows your will to be accomplished through our lives. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. And somebody said? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 15. We're going to read a couple passages of Scripture. But uh, this morning I want to minister a message to you about being a rebel. Anybody want to be a rebel besides me? Amen. If, if you're part of the, uh, the, the seasoned crowd in here this morning, which I'm a part of, you remember there was an actor years ago in the 50s, his name was James Dean, and he did a movie called A Rebel Without a Cause and doing all that, and so he's a, you know, just a wild and crazy young man and that, but uh, how many know Jesus was a rebel with a cause? Amen. And that's what we're called to be as believers. We're called to live just a little bit rebellious, a little bit on the cutting edge, but always uh, uh, in, in a proper way. So we'll talk about that this morning. If there was ever a need for God's people to be a rebel for the cause of God, it's today. Amen. In this hour. Luke chapter, or Mark chapter 15 and begin in verse 1. And I want you to think about this as we're reading this about the crucifixion of Jesus, about him being a rebel. Immediately in the morning, the chief priest led a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council, and they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him to Pilate. Then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered and said to him, It is as you say. How many know to say that to the Roman authority, that you are now a king in opposition to Caesar? That's a little bit of rebellion. That's a rebellious statement. Verse 3, And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Then Pilate asked him again, saying, Do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you. But Jesus still answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Why were they bringing accusations against Jesus? Because he rebelled against the traditions of the day. He stood out for truth and against the tradition of the day. Verse 6, Now at the feast, he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whoever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas who was chained with his fellow rebels, and they committed murder in the rebellion. Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him to do just as he had always done. Now watch that. So you have Jesus the rebel, but then you have the negative rebel. That's rebellion, that's self-driven, self-motivated for their own cause. Are you doing all right? And then you have Jesus, who's just a rebel because he's living for the will of God. Both of them are in, con are, in, are in contradiction to the authority of the day. But one is a righteous rebellion, and the other one is an unjustified rebellion. Are you doing okay? So watch it. Verse 39, But Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priest had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd so that he should rather release Barabbas to them. Pilate answered and said to them, What then do you want me to do with him whom you call the king of the Jews? So they cried out, Crucify him. Then Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. Wow. You know what? When you stand for the Lord, not everybody's going to shout for your side. Amen. Here they are. These people are rising up against Jesus. He's one of them. He came to bring the answer and the truth to them. And so what's hard many times is that we, we, don't, we try to appease the crowd. We, we, and so we give up on our rebellion because we're afraid of the consequences that might come along. But I believe God's raising up some people who are no longer afraid of the consequences. Amen. Amen? Hallelujah. Go with me to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. You know, it would be easy if we could just live for God and never have a controversy in our life. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 4 and verse 1. And as they spoke to the people, now we have Peter and John being arrested for healing a lame man who had been lame for almost 40 years. Now watch it. As they spoke to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in the what? Church. 
in Jesus, the resurrection from the dead, and they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. How many know it's getting closer right now to getting in trouble for preaching Jesus? Amen. Amen. So watch this. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Or in other words, what right do you have to stir up this rebellion? Come on. Verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been, been made well, let it be known to you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God has raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which is rejected, which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other name. Come on, just declaring that rebellious statement will make you unpopular. Amen. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived, that they were uneducated and untrained men. That's been my favorite verse in the Bible. Amen. People says, what is, your, what is your life verse? That's mine right there. I am uneducated and untrained. So if things get a little unruly, you'll know why. Amen. So watch it. And they realized that they had been with Jesus and seen the man who had been healed standing with them. They could not say anything against it. But when they commanded them to go outside of the council, they conferred amongst themselves. What shall we do to these men? For indeed, a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. Praise the Lord. That's the way you want to live. You want to do things that can't be denied for God. Amen. Come on. But, verse 17, but so that this spreads no further, what? Amongst the people. You know what's being done? God needs some rebels that will keep the truth being spread amongst the people. He needs young people who are not afraid to be a voice on their campus. He needs workers who are not afraid to be a voice on their job. He needs husbands and wives who are not afraid to be a voice in their community where they live. He needs people who will live and be involved in the marketplace, in, in, in their vacation place, wherever you are, to be a voice and to keep the truth going. Are you doing all right? So we don't want this to spread amongst the people. Let us severely, even on Facebook, keep promoting Jesus. Amen. Let them fact check you. Hopefully they'll all get saved when they go to the Word to make sure it's true. Come on. Let us severely threaten them that from now on they, now on they speak to no man in this name. You know, you're going to see that. You're going to see more and more threats arise up against being bold in your faith for God. So look what they said. Verse 18. So they called them and commanded them not to speak. At all or to teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John, come on, answered and said to them, Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the thing which we have seen and heard. Where are you living today in America? You are living in the day of whether or not it seems right to you or to not. And you making the decision of what you're going to live by, what you're going to declare, and how you're going to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. In the sight of God, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old, on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And being let go, verse 23, they went to their own companion and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice with one accord to God. So what did they said to them? Listen, now what? They, they came back and said, hey... This man got healed, and then we were told we can't talk anymore about Jesus. We can't declare the resurrection anymore. And they said if they do, they're going to whip us. They're going to beat us. They're, they're, they're going to throw us in jail. They're, they're going to come out against us with persecution. And everybody went, woohoo! That's 
what they did. They all rejoiced. Glory to God. Amen. Now watch this. With one accord, and look at what they said. Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. And by the mouth of your servant David, you have said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The king of the earth took their kings of the earth took their stand. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against you and your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, here it is. Now, Lord, look on their threat and grant to your servant that with all boldness. They may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal. We're going to keep healing people who have been lame. We're going to keep declaring the word of God. We're not going to be shut down. We're rebels with the cause. Come on. Think about it. Stretching out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled. Somebody say all filled. It wasn't just for a field. God God gave it to everybody and caused all of us to be bold for the name of Christ in this hour that we live in. With the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Amen. And numbers multiply. God needs some rebels to bring increase into the kingdom. Are you doing all right? So I preached all that. Now let's go through our outline. So look at the cover of your outline. I, I just want to declare to you, rebellion is not what it used to be. Amen. I remember back in the 60s growing up, that's exactly how old I am, hallelujah, that all that, we had the Jesus movement, we had the Jesus rebellion, we had Woodstock, we had crazy times, amen? We had all kinds, but rebellion was something else, it was a breakout against authority and dealing with that, but it's not that we have changed, it's not that we have changed the rules, the rules, we have effectively quit the game of rebellion, the church is withdrawn, taking a stand. That's why when this whole COVID thing is, all kinds of churches shut down, everybody shut down, and just went along with stupid mandates and requests. Instead of standing for truth, even if it meant persecution. So think about it. The cry of youth used to be, if you don't like authority, fight it. Today, there's a new law to live by. If you don't like authority, ignore it. But that doesn't affect the change. Ignoring things that, that need to be stood against and stood for doesn't affect change. You have to take a stand and you have to be a voice. Are you doing all right? So watch it. See, there's a huge difference between the modern rebellion of indifference compared to Jesus's targeted rebellion against the spiritual leaders of his day. So I want to challenge all of us to accept his example of a rebellion of a rebel worth following. Jesus needs you to be a rebel. He just needs you to be a rebel. Amen. And sometimes you need to rebel against your own mindset. That's right. Everybody look up here just for a minute. You, you've been professionally conditioned. Every day you are bombarded and you're hearing things. In this day and this hour, there's more conditioning, mental conditioning, conformity coming against you than ever before. Part of our day today, the problem is we have way too much information available. And so you hear all these voices, and every voice is spoken to condition you. And, and politics is the best way to look at it. They, they, they get a talking point, and they keep saying it, and they keep saying it, and they keep saying it. If you try to pull them back, they bring you back, and they keep saying that, and they keep saying that until people hear it, and they regurgitate it, not even knowing what they're saying back. Amen. Or even why they're saying or why they're supposed to believe in it or to accept it. So let me put you like this. The point is this. Jesus is a rebel, a holy rebel that you can follow. So let me ask you a question. What is indifference? Listen to this definition of indifference. It is a lack of distinction between two or more things. Not making a clear distinction between two or more things. That's indifference. That means who cares whether it's a big deal. It doesn't matter one way or the other. Watch like this. They, they say all faith. Let's come together whatever faith. So we make no distinction between faith. We just put them all together without any distinction. But Jesus said, listen to what the apostle says, there is no other name given among men whereby you might be saved in the name. That's a distinction. Are you doing all right? So when you make other ways possible, then you take away that clarity of distinction and you move into indifference. Are you doing all right? It is the absence of compulsion to 
or towards one thing or another which produces apathy. It is a state of non-action, non-opinion, backed by a conviction to act upon. I'm, no, I'm, I'm just hanging out. It is accepting things as though they can't be changed and as if what I do won't matter. And if anything that has happened during this whole pandemic, it's revealed the depth of indifference in our society today. To rebel is defined as this. To resist, to rise against authority, control, or tradition. And you can do that and still be righteous. Are you doing all right? So look inside your outline. So here's the question. What difference will it make? Jesus knew and believed that he could make a difference. And he acted out in rebellion accordingly. Everything Jesus did was to bring a difference. He introduced change. He brought truth. He came to make a difference. And when we stand, that's what we come to do. So let's look at some examples of how Jesus rebelled. I don't have time to read all these, but in Luke chapter 6, you can read it, verses 1 through 11. Jesus is harvesting grain and healing the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath. The religious tradition of his day, you can't do this and you can't do that. You can't pick grain and and spread it off the sheds and, and throw some raw wheat into your mouth and have a little snack, a little granola while you're walking through the fields. You, you can't do that because the, the act of pulling grain off the stand and doing that, that's work. Doing all right? You can't do that. And then Jesus goes to church and says, hey, when you come to church, you're supposed to be nice. Everything's supposed to be going to the plan. We have a tradition. We have our liturgy. We have everything in form. We have all of our function. You're not supposed to mess up the function or the form. And Jesus comes to church and here's a guy with a withered arm. And he just gets up and says, hey, you. And they're watching him. They know He knows it's a setup. And so he just says to the man with the withered hand, stand up and stretch forth your arm, and he heals. And so what he's doing, he's rebelling in all of that. But he gives his definition. Jesus pointed out that to David, he pointed to David's life that the Sabbath was made for the benefit of man. Somebody say benefit. For the benefit of man, not man for the benefit of the Sabbath. It was not given to control God's people, but to do good, to heal, and to save life. The purpose of coming to church is to do good, to heal, and to save life. Amen? And if we have to upset your traditional apple cart to do that, glory to God, we're in the cart tipping business. Amen. Amen. God's in the cow tipping business. He'll knock over sacred cows if he has to, to get an answer to somebody's life. Amen? How many, went, how many are from the hills and went cow tipping when you were teenagers? Because you know cows sleep standing up. And you just go over and run up there and... Anyway, moving right along. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. Oh, it's funny. Hallelujah. Okay, here we go. Luke chapter 7, think about this. Jesus allowed the prostitute to wash his feet with her tears and with her hair. Why? Because he identified with her need. Part of Jesus' rebellion was identifying with the brokenness and the need of the people around them. Not to be indifferent, not to care, not, not to have a care about it, but to actually identify and to allow them access to an answer. Think about it. He allowed the prostitute to wash his feet with her tears and with her hair. Christ's concern, get this, I underline it, was for her need, not his reputation. If we ever become a rebel who can be moved with the needs of those around us, regardless of what it does to our reputation, it changes everything. A true rebel fights for a cause greater than just the need of their own Lie. What does God call you to do? Last week I preached on the power of your yes. There's nothing greater than to discover what your yes to God will produce for his glory in the earth. To live for a cause greater than just your life. God, I give you my life. I say yes to you with my life so that you can accomplish your purpose for my life. Because I know your purpose is greater than just what my life would produce. See, Jesus cared more about her humble and genuine expression of love and gratitude than preserving the reputation of his host or himself. You see, Simon was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader. And oh my gosh, he's going to get in trouble because this woman of the street is in his house. Jesus said, I don't care about your reputation. I don't care about her, mine. I care about her. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about 
her. Something happens when that takes, transpires in the church. When the church no longer cares about our reputation and we don't care about what people think about it, we just want to touch the broken, the hurt, the wounded, and the needy in our community. It transformed the church. Could you say amen? amen. It's powerful when that takes place. John chapter 2, if you'll turn there with me. John chapter 2. Jesus purging the temple. John chapter 2 and verse 13. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and he found in the temple those who sold oxen, sheep, and doves, and the money changers doing business. And when he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen and poured out the money changers and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of what? Merchandise. If you look around today, the church has learned how to merchandise and how to market almost everything. Have to be careful. Verse 17. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. So the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show us since you do these things? What are you doing, man? You're a rebel. How, where do you, how, can you, how do you have the authority to rebel like this, to break out, to turn everything up? Amen. Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, it has taken 40 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said to them what he had said to them. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus said. Look at your outline. Jesus purged the temple and purified worship. See, worshipers during his day were required to do several things. One, they were required to bring and present a sacrifice that was acceptable according to the standard of the temple. Not according to the word. They deviated from the word. But they had set up new standards. And so, being so, they were also required to pay temple tax. But they could not use foreign currency. They had to exchange that at a high rate. So if you came in and you didn't have the temple currency, you had to exchange whatever currency you had. How many have ever gone overseas and come back and exchanged currency? So you usually get that depending upon the rate of exchange and doing all that. So they were charged a, a high rate of exchange. So they got less for their money and the temple got more for their money. Verse 4, usually they had to purchase their animals for sacrifice there at the temple in order for them to be accepted. You couldn't come and say, this is my spotless lamb out of my herd. They said, well, we see something on his left hoof over there, so he's disqualified, so you have to buy this lamb. Are you doing all right? Well, this is my dove. Well, your dove got, 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 got mites. We looked everywhere. We, saw, we think we saw something move on it, so it's got bugs or whatever, so you have to buy this dove. Are you doing all right? So they're merchandising. So Jesus says, we'll put an end to this stupid stuff. Amen? So the priests and the merchants were making large profits off of the people's what? Devotion to God. And Jesus said, that's not right. Jesus did not do that for his own good. He did not do that for his own gain. Every time he rebelled, every time he broke out, it was for the benefit of the people. Are you listening to me this morning? So look at what we're saying. Jesus rebelled, and he used his position to take a stand for what was right. His rebellion was on behalf of the needs of others. He never rebelled to get what he wanted. That's such a difference in our culture today. Most people break out based upon what you want or, or what they want in life. But Jesus' net rebellion doesn't work that way. Think about it. But what he could do to give others what they needed. His rebellion was what he needed to do to get to others what they needed to receive. John 13, chapter 1 through 10. In Jesus' day, it was common for the household servant to wash the feet of any visitor who entered. It would have been a scandal, it would have been scandalous for a dignified leader to do such a thing. In the Last Supper that Jesus had, we've shared this 
passage with you so many times. But Jesus is there in the upper room. They're in a rented room. There is no Lord of the house. There are no servants. They didn't hire a servant to be there to serve them. And so if you were a servant in that day, the foot-washing servant, the one who cleansed the people as they came in, that was one of the lowliest places of servanthood that you could be because you had to wash the feet, the dirty, ugly feet of the people that are coming through in a day when the streets are not paid, when the animals defecate and urinate in the streets, when there's all kinds of different things going on, and you have all of that residue on you. So to come into the house, you would go through the purifying. If you want to take it, usually there were several pots. Usually there were six pots, and the last one was clean, so that by the time you went through the first one to the second one to the third one, all the way down, you finally got to clean water. And that's the water that Jesus turned into wine. When he said, take these pots and fill them and then draw wine out of those pots, draw some wine out of the first foot washing pot and give that to the governor of the house. Amen. Woohoo! That guy must have been drunk. He goes, man, this is really good. No, I'm just... <laughs> Amen. But, but, but there was no servant there, so watch. The tradition of the day is that the servant did that, not the esteemed people. I'm just trying to redefine rebellion for you this morning. Because in rebellion, we, we, we rise up and we're, we, we have to be careful we don't rebel in pride. Are you doing okay? You need, to, you need to rebel against pride, not in pride. Are you doing all right? And so the, the pride of that day, the disciples in there, n- none of them said, Lord, we don't have a servant. Let me be the one to do that. Lord, Lord, I'll be the servant. I'll, I'll do the lowliest thing that needs to be done. We, we, don't, we don't have resources. We didn't hire somebody to do that. Nobody's in position to do that. It's something that needs to be done. But what they did, they just all skipped and came in. Said, we'll just eat dirty. Doing all right? So then after the meal, Jesus gets up, takes off his robes, and wraps himself in a loincloth, and he's there, and then he begins to wash their feet. So he broke out against the tradition because for the leader, for the rabbi to do that to his disciples, <clears throat> that's not part of the culture. Are you doing okay? So what about us? What keeps you from the servant's place? What keeps you from rebelling and breaking out and being the servant? Because Jesus said, I have to rebel to give them the example that they need. Well, it got quiet in this Holy Ghost shouting church. (laughs) Think about it. It's scandalous for a dignified leader to do this. This is why Peter responded the way he did. Think about it. When Jesus got to Peter, Peter said, not so, Lord. This is too much for me. To have you wash my feet. First of all, to have you where you are is messing me up. To let you do that. I can't comply. And Jesus says, if I don't do this, then you are none of mine. And then Peter gets his usual religion on. Not just my feet, Lord, all of me. Amen? But why did he do that? They needed an example of a rebel servant. Jesus is asking his church today, will you be a rebel servant for me? Can I send you where I need you to? Can you break out as a rebel? Not just against the tradition outside of your life, but the tradition in your life. Rebellion starts in your own heart. With you and I identifying, Lord, what have I allowed to crop into my life? What controls have I allowed to take place? What authority have I allowed to enter into my life? What traditions have I adopted that keep me from being who you need me to be in my life? So remember, Jesus' rebellion was not against all authority. He rejected only those authorities that stood in opposition to God's will for his people. Understand, following Jesus doesn't give us the right to rebel against anything we don't like. That's not what we're talking about. Are you doing okay? It only gives me the right to rebel against and stand in opposition to anything that is contrary to the word of God. Now, let me put you like that. As a Christian, there are a lot of things we can stand for. And one thing we have and one right we have, in our nation, we have something called freedom of religion. But you know what? In Israel that time, they didn't have freedom of religion. But the apostles were standing and said, I'm standing for the freedom to worship God in spirit and in truth. 
And so they were standing and it put them in, con in, in, in contradiction with the law that day. But they were standing and giving an answer and knew they would have to account to a higher law than just the law that day. And that's where the church is today. That's where the church is in America is today. We thought we were protected by religious freedoms, by our constitution. And you're finding out right now that nothing is protected from the new law of a pandemic. Our constitution doesn't mean any right. Your rights don't mean any right. HIPAA laws don't mean anything. All the things that are supposed to be were protected by religious freedom. You can't ask discrimination based upon one thing or another. All those things we thought we were protected from and, and by our constitution, by our law, those aren't in play anymore. So you're kind of in a place where you have to stand, man. In order for me to do this, I have to be a little bit of a rebel. But the purpose of rebellion can't just be in pride, it can't just be in arrogance, but it's understanding that I'm accountable to the higher power of God's word in my life in the name of Jesus. Are you doing all right? Yes. Hallelujah. So watch this. So we ask ourselves then, what would Jesus be against today? Jesus is definitely against racism. Amen. But he would also stand out against critical race theory. Because the critical, what are they doing in critical race theory? I think you ought to teach every atrocity that's ever been done by this country to every generation as they're growing up so we never repeat any atrocity again. Not just slavery, but what we did to the Native Americans, but every atrocity that's happened across our nation in order to occupy and to build a nation. When we do things wrong, teach what we did wrong to every generation so we don't do it again. Teach everything that is critical to truth. We ought to have critical truth teaching. Are you doing all right? Those things are true, and we need to teach those on every level to never do that again. He is against favoritism. He would be against discrimination. What was happening when the woman came into his house? That Simon the, the Pharisee is discriminating. If Jesus knew what kind of woman this was, he would not allow her to even touch him. That's discrimination. That's favoritism. Are you doing all right? He is against that. He would, he would rebel against quenching the spirit, which he did. Against legalism, which he did. Against spiritual pride and a religious spirit. Against mandated subjugation. Against abortion and death in the womb. Because there are prophets being formed in the womb today. There are men and women of God being formed in mother's wombs today. And Jesus and the Father are about preserving those that he is calling for purpose in this world. Are you doing all right? He begins gender identity because God said in the beginning, let us make man in our image and let them make them in male and female, not in multiplicity. There are two genders. Somebody shout amen. amen. That doesn't mean I'm wrong. I mean, you can figure out, you can love anything you want. Bless God, love that doorknob back there. But I don't have to accept your love of a doorknob as being right. Amen. Don't shout me down. Hallelujah. Now why? Isn't it sad, isn't it sad that one of the issues that a father got in trouble for at a school board was for standing up for the rape of his 14-year-old daughter in a school bathroom by a young man dressed as a girl to get into that bathroom and to rape and sodomize his daughter. And then he gets arrested for protesting and defending his daughter. I mean, I would still be in jail today if that was my daughter. Because I'd have done more than said some things. Because I'm not that saved. Amen. Amen. There'd have been more than a vocal conversation in the parking lot, I guarantee you. Amen. So watch this. Anything, Jesus is out and against anything that oppresses people. And he does it as a voice of truth. Are you doing okay? But to be that voice of truth, it's not only going to bring you into the realm of popularity. Doing okay? It won't make you pop popular with the traditions of the day and the leaders of the day. But it'll make you popular with the people whose needs you are speaking for. So Jesus always moved to the people who had the need, not the people who had the tradition and the authority. Are you doing all right? Hallelujah. So... It's time to lose our, our indifference and start a rebellion, not a revival. This is, what, this is what I believe, just your pastor. I don't believe the church needs a revival. I believe the church needs a rebellion. We need to rebel against our conformity to comfort. We need to rebel against casual Christianity. We need to break out against all the things that it causes us to become inactive and introverted. 
and to break out to have a move of God. Think about it. Jesus was always in trouble for doing what was right. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. Are you doing okay? Amen. Now, I have a lot of people that get in trouble, and then they try to call it, you know, ask God to get them out. I said, well, if it's the right kind of trouble, you're all right. But if you're just getting in trouble and trying to get out, then we need to talk a little bit. Hallelujah. 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning verse 13. Peter writes here and says, and, and who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is what? Good. But even if you should suffer for what? Righteousness sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats nor troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. We need to be rebels for doing good. Can you say amen? Look at chapter 4 and begin in verse 12. Chapter 4 and verse 12. And Peter writes and says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, the, the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Wow, what a promise. Amen? When we're rebels for the truth. On their part, he is blasphemed. On your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, or an evildoer. Remember it said about Barnabas, he was a rebel, but they had committed murder in the rebellion. So this is what he says, as a thief, as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matter. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Somebody say amen. amen. So being that, having that righteous act upon it. Acts 10, 38, it says Jesus went about doing good. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power, and he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So we rebel against oppression. What are some other examples of Jesus' rebellion? In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is at Matthew's house hanging out with sinners, not becoming a sinner. Hanging out with sinners to win them back to God. If you read in the New Living Translation, they got mad because it said, look at Jesus is eating with notorious sinners. You know what the church should be filled with? Notorious sinners. Let me give you an update. Look to your left. Look to your right. You've just seen two notorious sinners. Amen. Because everybody has enough sin in their life to send them to hell without the grace of God. Amen. But, but, but they, they, they were people that, that messed up people that the, that, that the leaders looked at. Man, it's not so much that this kind of little stuff, but these guys, these are the real deal sinners. That's who Jesus hung out, real deal sinners. Amen. That's who the church needs to be filled with, real deal sinners. Amen. Think about it. Mark chapter 7, Jesus was eating without washing. Some of you have that perfected. Amen. We joke on construction. When you're eating construction, you're in there, you're working. You just go in and get your hands dirty. You just start eating without washing and stuff like that. That's one way construction workers hardly ever get COVID. Right. Amen. Our immune system is powerful. Glory to God. Get some grease on your hands. Have a peanut butter sandwich. Glory to God. Luke chapter 3, Jesus 13. Jesus gets in trouble for healing a woman whom Satan had bound for 13 years on the Sabbath. John chapter 5, for he and a man at the pool of Bethesda. Go to John chapter 5 real quick. You doing okay? John chapter 5 real quick. Watch this. I'm going to say, man, I'd love to have a healing ministry. Who would say that? I'm just curious. Man, I'd love to see God work. I'd love to see the power of God work in my life. No, if you're not ashamed, yeah. Amen, amen. All right. Watch what happens when you do that. So Jesus goes to the pool of Bethesda, heals this guy. The guy gets called into account, not only for being healed, but now for carrying his bed on the Sabbath. 
So Jesus says, go, rise, take up your bed and walk. Guy picks up his bed, starts walking away. People say, what are you doing carrying your bed on the Sabbath? Well, I was just laying there by the pool. This guy, Jesus came along, told me to get up and go, asked me if I wanted to be healed. I said, yeah, that's why I'm here. So I said, okay, be healed, get up and go, carry your bed. So I'm carrying my bed because I used to be sitting by the pool, but now I don't have to sit by the pool no more because he said, get up and walk. So now I can walk and I'm carrying my bed. I'm just trying to get home with my bed. Well, who told you to carry your bed? This guy named Jesus. Where's that guy named Jesus? We like to talk to him. So they go to Jesus and they get him and look what it says. Verse 18. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him. Because he had not only broke the Sabbath, but that he said that God was his father, making himself equal to God. Amen. Come on, when you declare and walk in the authority of who you are in Christ as a child of God, that's why I said it last week. God has no grandchildren. He only has sons and daughters. You are a son and a daughter of God. And as that, you have authority of the Father in your life. And you can walk in that authority. And you can be a rebel for the cause and the needs of others. Are you doing okay? And people will want to silence you and put you away as well. But you're in good company. Hallelujah. John chapter 8. Jesus was boldly declaring who he was. The son of God. And they took stones to kill him. John chapter 9. He gets in trouble for healing a man born blind on the Sabbath. By making mud out of spit. Amen. On and on. So Jesus constantly rebellion. And, and he was in trouble. Not so much. He, he didn't get in trouble for healing the guy. He got in trouble for making mud. Spitting, making a little bit of mud to put in. That was too much work. Are you doing all right? So Jesus was a rebel that we can follow as rebels who put their lives and their reputations on the line for the good of others. Hear that again. Jesus was a rebel we can follow as rebels who put their lives and their reputations on the line for the good of others. Amen. Let me put you like this. Even through all this, pastors like us and others who stood and we said, we're not going to shut down. We're going to keep our churches open. We're going to keep preaching the gospel. We're going to keep standing. We're going to keep declaring the word of God. We got in more trouble from Christians than we did. And being told, well, you just don't care about others. You're so insane. No, I care. But I just believe people can make, have enough common sense to make their own wise decisions for their own health. Let's God, if you're scared by everything, stay locked up. Hallelujah. Take care, set where, do, do whatever you need to do for your own, but don't inflict that. Upon, see, those are things inflicting that oppression. There's been such a spirit. Our nation is under a heavy spirit of oppression right now. We are severely oppressed. And people are being told, if you don't comply, if you don't get the jab, we're going to take away your job. We're going to take away your right to earn a living. We're going to take away your, your retirement, everything you've worked for. That's oppression, my friend. That's not freedom. And, but if you stand for that, so, so there's more people on that side that you're standing for more than just getting something that has that almost a 99% survival rate. Oh, my God. Anyway, moving back over to the Word. Be a voice for truth. Matthew 5, Jesus voiced his approval of those. Go to Matthew 5. Rick, if you guys will come back, please. Matthew 5. to have our dear friends Khadijah and Yeshua with us this morning. We love you guys. Amen. Love you, love you. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, 12. Blessed are you when they, what? Revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Watch this. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Watch this. For great. Somebody say great. great. For great is your reward in heaven. Wow. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Amen. Wow. So Jesus voices his approval of those who are persecuted for following him as a rebel. That's following his pattern 
and walking in his way of rebellion. Rebellion. Not justifying ours. I want you to hear me very clearly. This is not a message on justification for all rebellion. This is the message for being a rebel with the cause, and the cause is that of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you doing all right? Hallelujah. So think about it. Jesus said, don't be surprised when the world hates you in John 15. Just be a rebel and keep walking in his footsteps. Go against what tradition says and do what God says. Proclaim boldly who you are in Christ, even in the face of opposition. Go after those that the religious have given up on. Church, listen, that's what we need to be doing. There's people that the world has given up on. Those are the ones we should reach. Let me put you like this. Jesus gave the parable of the man who prepared the great feast. And he sent people out, invited all the dignified people to come. And all those people were too dignified to come, too busy, asked for an excuse, this and that. And they said, hey, this is what you do. You go into the highways, you go into the byways, you go and you get the outcasts, you go get the stressed, you get everybody else, and you bring them that my house might be filled. Amen? And so if you're discouraged because the people that you feel like you've been trying to reach aren't doing that, then the Lord says, hey, just leave them alone and go out into the highways and byways and get anybody you come because there's people that will come if you'll just invite them. They're just waiting, but they need somebody to rebel. Sometimes you have to rebel. Some of that rebellion, that's what I said, begins in you against what you think you're... Sometimes, you know, we get great ideas of what we think we're supposed to be doing for God. And then we get upset because He doesn't do what we think we're supposed to be doing. But He doesn't do what we think we're supposed to be doing. He only does what He does. And we're successful when we walk in agreement with His purpose for our lives. Not try to get Him to fulfill ours. Are you doing all right? So, go after those... That no one else will go after. So let me close with these questions. What's the main difference between your acts of rebellion and those of Jesus? Is there any room for change? What do you think Jesus would do differently in your life if he changed places with you? The question is, will you let him in? What does that mean? Will you let Jesus be Lord of your life? See, when we give our life to Christ, that's really what it is. Lord... I give you my life. I give you my life. I'm no longer Lord of my life. I'm no longer the director of my life. I make you Lord of my life. So what would the Lord do differently in your life if he was fully Lord? Will you let him do that? Based on what you have heard here today, how would your acts of rebellion change if you were to follow Christ's example? And what can you change right now? Lord, who could you send me to? What could I stand for? What should I speak for? What, what have I had indifference towards? Where you need me to rise up and become that rebel for you? Why would God want you to be a holy rebel like Jesus? I'll tell you why. Because there's still those that are blind, that are crippled, that are broken, that are wounded, that are bound by sin, and those that are notorious for their deeds. And they need someone to be a rebel and reach out to them with the power and the love of God. Just like Jesus the rebel with the cause did. Would you stand with me this morning? Last week I made this statement to you. God's purpose of creation in man was to have a sayer of yes. God created you. Each and every one of you were created. God created you to say yes to him you're in the same position Adam was in the garden will you say yes to God he created us just to say yes to him to come into that relationship with him he created man and gave him a choice to say yes to God above and beyond his own desires and that's what my rebellion had God I want to rebel but I don't want it just to be out of my desires I don't want to just be other things that frustrate me And it's so easy today. There's so much going on that is so crazy. Can you believe this? They they, they are proposing to tax that if you have money invested and that investment is growing, but you haven't taken it out yet, we have to tax the growth before you take it out. I said, "Are, are you stupid? 
that, and people think that, that it's only going to affect billionaires and they, they put all this stuff up in there and affect all that. But you listen, so what I'm, I'm saying that because there's so much in the natural that you can hear here that can get you riled up. I get riled up real easy. So I said I'm ignorant and unlearned. I'm still learning how to not get unriled. Are you with me? So there's things that I hear and I go, <clears throat> I think, how can you even propose that? And so the proposal's stupid, and what's even stupider is the people go, oh, yeah, that makes sense to me. <laughs> Are you doing okay? And so I have to be careful that I don't let those things become the seed of my rebellion. Are you listening to me? But that there's righteousness in my actions, and that I'm being led by the Spirit, and not just by the order of the day. We say yes to God above and beyond our own desires. Your yes to God will make you a rebel for Him in this world. Bow your heads with me this morning. Maybe you're here today, and I, I just, these last couple months, everything God's had me preach is just on a stirring of the body, just getting us stirred up, getting us fired up, getting us hungry, just going deeper in our yes to God, just saying yeah, just rekindling, going for a rebellion, not just a revival. Can you say amen? That's what we're after here. We're ready to break out. So maybe there's something in your tradition. Maybe there's something in the conformity that's happened in your life. Maybe you're sensing today, you know what? There's something that I need to rebel against. There's some things I need to break out again. And my pastor used to say this. Every decision you make for God will be tested. And it gets tested by our conformity to this world. That's why the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world. So I have to break out against the conformity that's been placed upon my life. And I have to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. And so I have to allow the Holy Spirit to do His work in me. So while you're standing there, you're praying right now. And you'd say, Pastor, there, there's some things. God's speaking to my heart. And there's some things that I know in my own personal life that I have to begin right here in my life. There's some things that I need to rebel against in personally so I can say yes to God in a greater measure of my life. That's you. Well, we're just praying. Just raise your hand. Say, Pastor, that's me. There's some things I need to break out against. Anybody in this room this morning? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. If that's you, if you raise your hand, move right up here to this altar. It's good to have Michael and Natasha with us. Man, love them. They're going to be back ministering for us on the 28th. Michael, come up. Help us pray. Khadijah, come up and help us pray. Tim and Eve, come up and help us pray. Come on. We're just going to pray and agree with you. We're believing even for breakthrough right now. God, I'm rebelling. I'm breaking out. I'm going to be a righteous rebel for God. I'm going to